0: Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in.
1: Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Bensi Benatar, the CMO and co-founder of Sepio. With a bsc in electrical engineering and an mba graduate Bency is a hardware security expert as well as an expert on rogue device detection supply chain attacks internal abusers and is a leader in zero trust hardware access with a strong intelligence community background and over 25 years of experience Bency and his co-founder founded sepio in 2016. sepio is the first hardware access control platform that provides visibility control and mitigation to zero trust, insider threat, BYOD, IT, OT, and LOT security programs. SEPIO is a strategic partner of Munich, the world's largest reinsurance company, and Merlin Cyber, a leading cybersecurity federal solution provider. With a mission to protect its customers' most valuable assets by achieving a stronger cybersecurity posture, SEPIO is making waves. Here to share his story and more about SEPIO is Bensi. So, Bensi, my new friend, thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for having me. Uh- and thank you for uh, for making me a proud son because when I play this uh, to my mother, then she will be very proud about the way you've introduced me. So thank you for that.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. Making mothers proud all over the world. Uh, well, so I, I know just from talking with you briefly offline, uh, that this actually isn't your first startup, uh, even with your co-founders. So I'd okay. love to hear just a little bit of how how this all got started.
0: Um, so what? Uh, Originally, I was a, a, an academic reserve. That means that uh, I first went to, um, to study. I got my bachelor in science degree in electrical engineering, and only then I got enlisted to the, uh, to the IDF, uh, where I met uh, uh, who will be my uh, two uh, uh, partners for life, my two co-founders, Yossi Applebaum and uh, Iftah Bradschweiss. And we've been, uh, we've been working together for almost uh, 30 years now. This is uh, actually our third company together. Wow. And, uh, yeah, um, two works successfully acquired by NASDAQ-traded companies and SEPIO uh, is the, the third one. And, um, the first, uh, the first advice that usually I give, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and, uh, people are, you know, thinking of pursuing a Kind of an independent career and starting up a business, the most important thing is to have always an odd number of partners. This way huh. is the only way to get uh, to get things done. You to know, to break the tie. Yeah, earlier on we were, uh, you know, we were young, uh, we doubt any business experience, and we, we, we always wanted to get a, a unanimous uh, decision about everything. And uh, you know, at a certain stage it become it becomes exhausted, mm-hmm. and. um, and then you know we we came to the conclusion that it, it's not such a bad you know setup when you get like what we call two one uh, you know uh, you know majority decision um, and this helped us kind of you know unplug a lot of uh, a lot of discussions. So the first thing Absolutely. is to have an odd number.
1: I like that. I like that. Now, what was the first uh, type of company that you all started together? So
0: we've uh, we've started as a professional uh, a professional services companies in the network management uh, solution domain, uh, like NMS, EMS, OSS interfaces, SNMP agents across all the span of functionality. That means starting from uh, a hardware design, board design, embedded application, a element management system, network management system, and we provided our Services mainly for uh, for telecom companies uh, that wanted to have their uh, their solutions, hardware solution, being uh, compliant with various uh, network management uh, schemes. Uh, so we did that for a couple of years, and then we've evolved from professional services to uh, to platform, and from platforms to uh, additional products. And uh, during these years, we've transitioned from uh, network. Uh, Management to network monitoring, and we did for a while. We did a lot of uh, network uh, network taps and layer two switches, and this kind of built our uh, our competence with regards to network uh, network security and uh, and devices. And alongside that, we had a lot of um, kind of HLS related uh, solutions with regards to intelligence and counterintelligence solutions. So that was a uh, That was a fun, uh, that was a fun period. And uh, when we've, uh, we've got acquired by a company that was a, one of the, the the world's largest uh, perimeter security sensor company uh, with uh, a holistic approach in mind of uh, combining uh, physical and cybersecurity into a single, uh, into a single solution. And so we went and uh, executed that.
1: And so those first kind of two iterations were they uh, acquired?
0: Yeah. The other company was uh it was around the the automotive uh, industry. Um in a in the pre Jeep incident uh, where you know no one thought that cyber security for car is something to uh to be reckoned with. Sure. Um and it was uh again we I think we've achieved uh, some uh, some some great achievements and and got insights to uh, to doing things in a certain uh, in a certain way that you know uh, accompanies us uh, on on every business aspects uh, moving forward.
1: What did what did you learn personally going through the acquisition process?
0: Uh, first of all, that uh, you need a lot of patience. Uh, you know, being an entrepreneur throughout all phases. Uh, is uh is like riding a roller coaster there's are there are like a lot of uh peak moments and a lot of low moments and uh you need to be ready for that because even in the even if you're in the final stages of uh of an mna um uh, process you know still things could go wrong uh you know mm. at the final stages until everything is not you know signed and sealed it's uh it's still out in the open so it takes a lot of uh, a lot of physical uh, mentality and um, you know some of it are negotiation tactics some of it are you know just uh, sticking to things that you think are are important because day after you close the close the deal you uh, you actually become an employee of the of the company that just purchased you and you want to make sure that you fit in. To the, to the existing uh, com- acquiring company. You want to sure. make sure that uh, the people that, uh, and friends that have accompanied you for, uh, for that journey uh, when you were a startup and now get incorporated into an incorporated company uh, are being well taken care of and uh, that each one find its uh, rightful place. And uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not about, you know, it, just myself and my two co-founders, uh, because obviously we got the, the kind of the highest reward on, on the M&A process. But it was also about the, our loyal employees and friends that, um, that were a significant part of this, uh, of this journey and uh, what made it so successful eventually.
1: Did you set out when you were building these companies, did you set out with acquisition in mind at some point or did that more just spring up as you went?
0: Uh, you know, I, I could have lied and said no, but, you know, the, the truth is that, you know, especially I think in uh, in Israel where I'm based, you know, the the kind of success stories are mainly about companies that exited. We do have several uh, several companies obviously in the uh, in the security, cybersecurity domain, like uh, Sentinel-1 and Checkpoint and and others that are doing uh, extremely well in building a, a multi-billion uh, companies. But a lot of the success stories are around you know, what we call the exit, uh, where you yeah. actually build a company, and then uh, once it gets to a certain stage, then uh, a larger player steps in, uh, believing that he can take it to... Uh, uh, to a better, better position, a better offering, better revenue. And uh, that's where you step down. So the exit kind of atmosphere and enthusiasm in Israel is very, is very apparent, uh, compared from what I've seen in other, in other countries.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, I, from what I've learned that the tech scene is actually, uh, grown a ton in Israel and yeah. I've even had several Israeli tech and even cyber, uh, companies on this podcast. And so I'm just curious, why, why do you think that is?
0: Um, I think that there is, um, it's a combination of, uh, a, several, uh, several factors, uh, some of them, you know, people might not like to hear, but, uh, <laughs> first of all is the, uh, what is called the chutzpah. Uh, which is a, a, a kind of a sense uh, of uh, a bit being cockiness, you know, in, uh, in the sense that you know everything can be done, and uh, mm. because most cybersecurity companies come from uh, from certain certain units mainly around uh, intelligence, where making the impossible possible is the is the daily routine. So you mm. get a sense of. Uh, of empowerment that you can, uh, you can do everything. You know, it's, uh, uh, you want to achieve a certain uh, technical goal that, you know, no one uh, thought would be possible, then you'll, you'll show them that it is possible. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, we like to uh, we like make things easy. So uh, I always joke around that, you know, one of the, one of the first uh, inventions, you know, in, uh, that Israel is, is famous of, is the cherry tomato, and there is the obviously the discount key and uh, the irrigation uh, a, an innovative irrigation system and all of that. It was to make our lives easier because <laughs> you wanted something that you could carry with you instead of kind of bulky hard disks. So mm-hmm. you, they came out Don Moran came out with the discount key. Uh, you didn't want to wait until the tomato gets large, and so you come up with a, a smaller, more uh, concentrated version of that. And you didn't want to go with a hose trying to uh, to water fields, so we came up with a uh, with, from a company Netafim that they came up with an idea of uh, of putting the embedding the irrigation system into the actual water uh, line. So uh, all of these um, all of these solutions came up from uh, from the perspective of making our life uh, easier. Yeah,
1: you know, I'd imagine just over the generations that hutzba that that uh, even looking for the easier way to do things makes a lot of sense just even uh, culturally what you've been through with conflict and things like that but even just geographically you know you think about just the type of terrain that I imagine not all parts of Israel but many are with the more desert you know uh, type experience you got to be thinking that way right I mean that's got to produce some sort of resilience and and uh, ingenuity and innovativeness right just to even survive and and grow a beautiful you know culture.
0: Yeah, so I think that if you look at, and especially if you look around, you know what's happening with the a various uh, climate issues and water issues. Uh, there was a crisis in South Africa with regards to uh, a constant supply of water. As there is droughts, uh, you know, all over all over the world, and uh, Israel is one of the leading countries in uh, you know in water treatment. You know, taking. Uh, seawater making making drinking water, so we are yeah. less reliant on uh, on on a consistent rain flow. Obviously, it helps, but uh, we're no longer uh, rely just on that. Um, so that was, uh, I think, is a, a significant uh, breakthrough. The fact that we've developed our uh, uh, our desert agriculture also helped us not just by sustaining, uh, you know, the, the food security for. For Israel, but actually using that as a as a bridge towards our uh, our nearest and uh, neighbors and uh, neighbors mm-hmm. who are uh, a bit far away. So uh, if you look into the Gulf countries and uh, other countries that are with similar characteristics that of Israel, um, you know now that we have a can freely engage with them they can take the knowledge and technology and put it into good use so that they will have the nutritional security for, for their people. Wow. So that's, uh, that's where technology meets, uh, meets progress, meets a geopolitical, uh, a kind of a movement. And I think yeah. that's uh, that's a great thing. I think that Absolutely. Great. Yeah, um,
1: absolutely. And it makes you not as dependent anymore on the on the weather in a sense, you know, like on the things that feel outside of your control, you found a way to still innovate and, and take care of your needs. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a, there's a cool Israeli company that, uh, you know, are producing water out of, uh, humidity of, out of air humidity. So they could bring uh, fresh, uh, fresh water to, you know, secluded villages in Africa or, or other places wow. where you do have humidity. So I think that, um, And personally thinking that that's, you know, me being old, you know, a lot of years, uh, Israel was uh, was mainly famous for its kind of defense technology. And that's, you know, we're eventually we have uh, very significant security challenges around us. We're in a tough neighborhood. So we had to invest a lot of uh, a lot of our efforts in the defense industry. But I think that if you look in recent years, what we've done in uh, in biotech and Arctic and, and, and climate, uh, climate solutions and water treatment and things, and uh, things like that. I'm, that makes me very proud because now it's always no longer known for, you know, it's, uh, defense and cyber capabilities, but also the, to the fact that it can, uh, save the uh, palm trees, that it can uh, provide better and optimize irrigation that it can provide mm-hmm. unique, uh, brands of, uh, of peppers that uh, uh, that are optimized for uh, for certain for certain areas and that it can provide uh, high protein uh, uh, bioengineered uh, food uh, to make the the shortage of food uh, less of a problem
1: it's fascinating i want to go back to uh, just your founder story for a little bit are there any uh any stories or memories of learning lessons that stick out? Right, being in the startup phase, yeah. getting an idea off the ground. Uh, what comes to mind in terms of important lessons learned along the way?
0: So, uh, so the first imper- uh, lesson was the the issue of being a, a odd number of uh, of partner of partners. Right. The second one, and uh, uh, this is something that I always ask, uh, you know, people that you know come to talk with me, you know, saying I have an idea, I want to set up a a startup and so on is a uh, uh, la femme. That means you know, look for the wife. So mm. you need to uh, to understand that uh, being a, a startup founder, it's not it's not just about you. It's uh, it's about you know something that affects all your family. Because when you stay up night and you know, and you you're you're completely stressed out about uh, financing or customers or things like that, it has effect on the entire family and they need to make sacrifice because, uh, and sometimes, you know, you need to cancel vacations because you need to, uh, to be at work or you need to fly somewhere. Uh, it's, uh, and it, it puts a significant burden on your spouse. So, you know, you need to know that it's, it's great thing that you have, uh, that you have dreams and ideas, but you need to make sure that your, uh, that your spouse is aligned with those, uh, uh, you know with those goals because our first uh, company was a was a bootstrap company, and we went through two painful uh, recession periods in two thousand one, two thousand eight, and you know they were like crickets business wise. You know there, there wasn't any income, yeah. and then you need to make a decision uh, or do we do we pay ourselves or not? You know, you know trying to prioritize things and you know. Eventually, uh, on the other hand, you need to put food on the table. So, obviously, your spouse is uh, is an important part of that. So that's uh, that's one of the important lessons. And I think that the another good lesson is that uh, usually uh, I, w- I would recommend not looking for your uh, for for people who are similar in characteristics uh, to you. Um, me and my two great partners we are completely different in uh, in character we're very different and i think this is what makes uh, makes us stick for for so many years because mm-hmm. each one brings a different aspect a different view um and you know at every given time you know one of us would uh, uh would kind of push the other two and uh, each one was optimized character wise for different uh, different tasks so one was was extremely uh, you know organized and, and and very well calculated you know took over the financing aspects uh one who was more uh, a technical savvy took on the product side and the technology uh, another you know more into uh, outward facing of, uh, of you know inter human con- con- connections uh, and I think that if, uh, if we were similar in character, uh, that would, uh, that wouldn't have worked. So, you know, when, uh, when you, you know, want to hang out with people or then you probably look for people with, you know, similar hobbies or sure. something like that. Um, we have completely, uh, different hobbies. I like to, uh, dive motorcycles and sail boats. One of my partner is into gadgets. The other uh, loves carpentry. So you know, we're completely, <laughs> completely different uh, uh, individuals, and and that's that's what's so uh, so great about it. Uh, I, I love I love it. If uh, it would it would have been boring if uh, if we were all the same and uh, yeah, we and you would have glaring gain. weaknesses. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's an excellent point.
1: Yeah, that, uh, what I hear is. When you have that variety of skill sets and that variety of uh, characteristics, it allows you to be more competent across a variety of areas versus if everyone's like me, they're going to have my strengths, but they're also going to have my weaknesses, you know, and you don't want me running finances, right? (laughs) (laughs) You need somebody with that technical detail and the the more conservative, you need somebody to be the gas, somebody to be the brake, you know, Um, but the, what I could imagine is that also could create conflict or create tension points. And so how did, over the years, you guys have been working together for so long and obviously still greatly trust and respect each other. How did you navigate when those differences might've caused some conflict?
0: So, um, you know, the, the term that we use is, uh, is work spouse because, uh, at the end of the day, most of the, most of the, the hours that, you know, you're awake, you're with your, uh, i was with my partners so i spent time with them way more than i would spend with my uh, uh, kids wife or, or any other activities uh, so uh like uh, in every relationship the 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 basic foundation for that was uh, was trust the fact that we completely trust each other not just uh, in the fact that you know uh, let's say finance wise you know that uh, you know no one steals from uh uh still money steals money from the from the bank or things like that but but the the trust that we have in each other that everything that we do is for the benefit of the company and i was fortunate enough to have two uh, two great partners that are uh, egoless and mm-hmm. so it's, it's it wasn't always about you know uh, self glorification uh it's about you know making sure that uh, that we do things that Help the company thrive, even if it requires, you know, uh, some—I don't know—kind of a deep promotion of uh, at certain stages, or you know, trying to, uh, you know, accept things that you know other people would would look at it as uh, why? Why are you doing that? I I, I would have done that. I wouldn't have done that. That makes you personally look uh, look bad, Uh, but. When you understand that everything that you do is for the good of the company and there are no no egos, then a lot of kind of pity discussions and fights that I heard from uh, from other entrepreneurs with regards to titles or regards to uh, size of office or, or things like that and you know all those stuff you know it it's, it becomes irrelevant and and you get to focus on the on the important things. So trust is the the first thing communication. Obviously, is the other you know very similar to to uh, your your family spouse uh, the ability to uh, to communicate uh, when when things go bad when things go good you know the problems you know tend to hide under the carpet when the when the shit hits the fan then that's where you need to actually uh, sure. make sure that you can communicate and sure. and make uh, and make sometimes uh, unpleasant uh, decisions. Uh, do we do we fire someone from uh, from a team A whose partner, a certain partner, is responsible for, or do we fire someone from uh, from group B that the other partner is uh, looking after? So you always need to make sure that you can uh, communicate freely in a respective uh, in a respective way. Obviously, we are all human beings. We are all entitled um to have uh, to have emotions sometimes be very very blunt and very passionate about things that we do but at the end of the day we need to go to bed together and uh, you know wake up for a new morning literally uh, uh, figuratively and um and uh, you know making sure that uh, we don't cross uh, certain lines
1: yeah i love that I love that. And you mentioned when the shit hits the fan and the tough decisions and uh, things like that, that you'd also have been through two recessions, you know, the, you mentioned 01 and 08. What was that experience like for you, both as uh, as a business owner, as well as just a, a husband, a father, you know, going so, through the stress? well so
0: actually it, uh, it scars you for life. It, uh, mm. it really does. Um, We've we've learned significant lessons. Uh, some some are, are good lessons. Uh, for example, um, we've learned that you know during the recession periods, uh, we would uh, we would take like way smaller project than we we've used to do in the past in, in lower pricing, just to uh, to make sure that we are still uh, still active. So that when the market uh, picks up again, we will have a lot of kind of probes and, and footholds on on a multiple of uh, of customers. So that mm. when the market picks up, we will pick up with them uh, again. So we would uh, take tasks that previously we we wouldn't have. Um, we've uh, we've learned that you know the diversity of uh, of the customer base is extremely important because uh, you don't want to rely on a, on a single customer to, and when he crashes, you know, you you're crash alongside him. Um, I, I do remember that one, uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a story. We had, uh, we've been doing business with a company that was owned by a very large corporation in Israel. Uh, they were extremely financially sound. And through the negotiation uh, phase uh, of the contracting of the work that we did for them, uh, they've insisted on various uh, items in the contracts regarding our financial stability because we were a small company. uh, So they wanted to have an escrow for the source files and the schematics and everything. And we did that. And then uh, one, one day as the, you know, the downfall just uh, just started. We were sitting in the in our offices their offices their building was actually just next to us and we saw a, a a message pop up on the on the internet on the financial website saying that this company is closing down and then we've we've literally we've opened the window and we saw people stepping out from that company carrying you know computers and uh, things like that. whoa. And, uh and we were and we just completed a significant milestone uh, for a, a very large project that we did for that but we didn't invoice them because you know it, it was a matter of days and um, you know we already had to pay the you know the salaries because it, you know it, the payment always lags behind and uh, and then we we went running down to that uh, company we went the doors were open we went in and, uh, you know, it was like, everyone disappeared. And then, you know, we went to the top management and said, okay, guys, you, you are a part of, uh, this division was part of a, a very large group. So, uh, you know, why not the, should the mother company, you know, come in and, uh, and pay debts that are due dates, uh, but they did So that was, uh, an important, uh, an important lesson for us, um, those days, you know, uh, you know, even a thirty k US dollar uh, invoice was a uh, was a big thing for us at that time. Oh yeah, um, yeah, and we've, uh, you know, from my perspective, we got scammed. And the funny thing is that years after, um, we went to a company, uh, and you know, as part of the, you know, intro session, they said uh, we are part of this uh, of this group of that the same group that we had that incident. Then. So you and they said, you need not worry about finance. And when they said that we actually uh, concluded the, the meeting, and we said, we don't want to do business with you. Mm. Uh, so, uh, so that's one of the one of the recession, uh, recession stories. And- yeah, that's, what,
1: that's, uh, you might have just mentioned what you would do. But my curiosity was if you knowing what you know, now, what would you have done differently? Uh, in hindsight, with that company?
0: Uh, I would probably uh, try to uh to break down the milestones in a more uh, more smaller chunks and invoice faster <laughs> that's mm. uh that's the main thing uh, but you know it's kind of force majeure because um eventually the the main debt holders which are the banks they were they were secured uh they they got their money back employees. For most parts, got their money back, and you know the suppliers and the the subcontractors are you know last in the on the list of uh, if anything you know is left over. So you no, know, we've we've learned our lesson um, to be very very careful. And the fact that you have a a very strong group behind you doesn't mean that they will uh, step in and save a, a certain company uh, from their group just because they just because they can
1: yeah with the stress and the pressure that those situations create how did you personally keep your head on straight and not crumble
0: so um there were days that you know we you know during lunchtime, you know we would look at uh, we would look at each other and uh, you know no one had a uh, you know any appetite and we said well we'll just let's skip lunch right now no one has, uh, is in the mood even to eat something, you know, just, uh, let's, let's continue wow. working. So it's very stressful. Um, probably a lot of the white hair that I have now is, uh, is because of that. Um, my two other partners are, are, one of them is almost bald. The other is bald. So, you know, they've pulled their, their hairs. Uh, I got white hair, um, a lot of uh, sleepless uh, sleepless nights, and you need to take into account that during that time, you know, we all had you know small kids at house, you know, and you and you have the and you have the issues and um, and challenges of running a family alongside running a business, and sure. when you come back home and your three kids, three years old kid wants to play with you. Um, you know, and he comes, you know, all enthusiastic. So he wants to show me things, and I'm, oh, I just want to want to grab a couple of hours of sleep. I want to clean my head. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not into playing a dumb game now. Uh, <laughs> but um, but you know, you eventually you understand that you know what are the the important things, and you do find a way to uh, to balance that. Uh, but was there was, anything that, was, was there so.
1: anything in particular that helped help kind of buoy you in those moments?
0: Um, I think that the uh, the friends and the kind of us other members of the family uh, mm-hmm. that you know uh, in times like that you sometimes uh, doubt yourselves and you sometimes doubt the path that you that you've selected. Again, when things are going great, you know you're the smartest man around, but when you've, uh, when the markets are are tumbling down, uh, then you start asking questions. Uh, was it a good idea to, to leave the IDF? Maybe I could have stayed and you'll know, get a secure job, you know, get a, a career in the army or something like that. Uh, but then I got, uh, I got the support from, uh, from the, from close friends and, and, and family, you know, uh, everybody has, uh, uh, you know, parents that uh, believe in him, a uh, spouse that believes in, in him. So, uh, they've kind of, you know, when they, they saw that, you know, we're a bit down then, you know, they would, uh, pick us up and, uh, and sometimes, you know, just, uh, you know, family member, uh, coming over lunch, bringing, uh, you know, something, uh, something nice to eat could, uh, mm. you know, could make the difference for that day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well said. I mean, sometimes it's just the presence and belief of other people that's just enough to keep you going instead of giving up and you know quitting on your dream or quitting on the thing that you might be a month away from it turning around. But in yeah. the moment, it feels like it's the end, right? Yeah,
0: and that that was, by the way, the main difference between two thousand and eight and two thousand and one because in two thousand and eight we were uh, extremely less stressed out because uh, we now knew what to what to expect. We knew that there were crickets. We knew uh, how to operate in advance and take the the right the right decision uh, in advance. We were post two thousand and one. We were more well structured and uh, and and built for for the next uh, next recession. But again, it scars you for life. Um, you always um, you always worry about. Uh, about payments, this is something that even if you, uh, you know, you have twenty million dollars in the bank, you know, you always very conscious about the about payments, even you know, to uh, to an absurd uh, an absurd uh, uh, way.
1: Yes, I am right there with you. <laughs> what do you do? Here is what I am curious about: What do you do now with uh, customers or clients you have that have shown a history of either being delayed or behind on payments? How do you handle that? So that's a tough one for me.
0: Um, so first, you need to uh, you need to understand the the root cause for that, because uh, some customers are uh, are just trying to take advantage. Sometimes they're they really trying to take advantage. They uh, they would say, "Oh, you're a you're a small company, and you know that we know that you rely on the paycheck that's coming from us." so we'll uh, squeeze you because we need uh, additional features we'll squeeze you because we need some uh, some freebies and things like that and we want to have uh, you know higher discounts and things like that that's uh, that's one option the other option is that there are customers that sometimes especially during these sessions that are struggling just like you yeah and then you know uh, you, when you start up with a customer you always come up with this Grand words, uh, you know, we're partners and we're in it together, and blah blah blah, and all that. that—that parade uh, kind of uh, a pep talk uh, when uh, when you onboard a, a new customer. But sometimes you need to put it into um, into action. And if your uh, your customer is uh, is really struggling uh, because, for you know, he's in a way more uh, deeper s than than you. Uh, then sometimes you know you, you you could do things that you know uh, that could help him a little bit. And although you're stressed out in a recession as well, you might say, "Okay, you know what? Let's uh, let's find another way. Let's uh, do this. Let's postpone this." You you can't always do everything that he wants, but at least you can you can do part of the things. You can uh, sometimes you can barter things. Sometimes you uh, yeah you postpone things, and uh, so th- that. That's the differentiation. If it's just a customer that is a, a crappy customer, then it's a good thing that uh, you find out uh, about it, uh, you know, as soon as possible, and uh, and let him go. Uh, although it um, it's sometimes very difficult uh, to let go of a customer, but some customers are uh, that we had over the years were uh, were extremely ob- obnoxious, you know. They thought that the owners they were extremely disrespectful, and uh, eventually, uh, you ask yourself, you know, I'm here. I wake up every morning not to suffer. You know, I'm I'm not here to uh, I'm not a masochist, um, yep. and I want to come to work. I, I respect people. I expect people to respect me the same way that I respect them. They don't have to buy from me. That's that's fine, um, but they uh, they do need to uh, to stick to the to any kind of sign agreements or or even you know being a human being um so uh so during the 20 to 2008 where we were you know way better situation you know we could uh we could tell some of the uh, some of our uh, suppliers look we'll uh we'll we'll shorten the payment terms for you because we know you're you're struggling or we'll uh we'll provide you know with uh with a bonus or something like that just to uh, um, to show our confidence in you, and um, and that's uh, that's proven itself because again, when the markets pick up again, they remember they remember that you oh, yeah. you are a true partner and you were not you are not greedy, you were not taking advantage of uh, of the although you might have. Um, and again, it's all about um, it's all about being a human being, uh, especially because you're first a human being. And then you're a businessman, entrepreneur and all of that.
1: It's Um, well said. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head that we've got to distinguish between good customers that have good intentions and just are in a tough spot versus those that for whatever reason are looking to take maybe advantage of you, or they know they have some leverage because you need them, right? That, oh, you, you might be afraid to walk away. And to me, that's the hardest part early on in business is where you get into that. But we need this account even if it's not a great account or they've not been great to work with, and they're not, you know, a good partner, you feel like you're trapped because you're like, but we need the money. Right. Uh, what would you say to that situation?
0: I would say that, you know, if I, uh, if I had to, uh, to work in a, in a, to work with people that I, uh, that I dislike, that do not share the, the same level of uh, um, ethics that I uh, that I uh, operate by, then I could have gone and, and be a hired, you know, hired person. It's like someone else's problem, right? And uh, you know, do my job and that's it. But when it's your baby, it's your, uh, it's your responsibility, and and this is something that you're building. Having those bad uh, uh, weeds, you know, trying to to mess up everything, it's a it's a difficult decision uh, decision to make uh but it is uh, uh i think it's the wiser and I, I'll, I'll tell you another story uh during the you know the hype of telcom there was uh there was a certain uh, large let's call it Far east uh, country uh with some very large telco uh, companies vendors and uh, we would hear that story you know, multiple times. You know, they would come into a small Israeli startup, and uh, they would ask, "Okay, we want to uh, to evaluate a possible cooperation with you. We will even pay for the POC," and you know, you all get you know you get blind because there's like this huge uh, corporate is coming, uh, you know, and is you know willing to pay for the for the POC, and then you're you're already calculating the the number of uh, of units or links or or switches that you will sell, and then they will, uh, they will come in. And, uh, obviously for the integration, they will kind of suck all the, all the knowledge from, uh, from that company. And, uh, that will be, it. There, there was never a follow up. Now at first, you know, you know, for the first company, you say, oh, it's a coincidence, maybe, you know, the things didn't work out. But then when you see it on company number five and number, number six, you understand that wow. there is a kind of a, you know, there's a plan behind that. You know, they come in, they suck all the information, and then they go and, and replicate it elsewhere. And and the amount of effort that a, a startup company needs to uh, to put, you know, in documentation, in APIs, in specific uh, specific change requests, uh, is tremendous, and that kills company. And but they see this huge uh, corporate this. Very large copper that could, you know, take them to, to the skies, uh, but eventually they just bury them.
1: That is, that's the definition of a bad actor, right there, right? Yeah. And we hate, we hate to to think that that could exist because we wouldn't do it. But it's like, man, you don't want to, you don't want to be suspicious of everybody, but you you've got to be open to the possibility of protecting yourself from things like that, you know. Um, Ma'am, you know, we right now, it's debatable depending on which political side of the country you're on, but uh, most people to at least agree we're in a mild recession here, and our tech scene has for sure taken a, a hit uh, in America. So if someone's listening right now that's in a recession right now, uh, that's struggling, uh, what encouragement would you give them?
0: Um, first of all, that uh, eventually it ends you know that's the, the first thing it's mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 obvious but sometimes you uh, you tend to forget that is that the the economy it works in cycles so you know we we know that there will be a downtime and we know that this downtime eventually will will end and will have re, you know everything will start picking up again and uh, and in this during these downtimes you need to go into uh, into survival mode and in survival mode, you know, you, you cut whatever you can cut, you know, uh, that isn't necessary to keep the, the body alive uh, sometimes it's painful, but, um, this is what you need to do in order to survive. You keep on, uh, a, a, you know, kind of self advertising and you keep approaching the customers and you keep uh, the offering. You, you, you're more flexible in the offerings that you, uh, that you provide. Um, you know, cutting down the the margins, you know, insisting on uh, historical uh, margins that you had you know six months ago, which are not applicable now. you know if you could you wanted eighty percent before you you'll now you have to make two with twenty percent, but at least you got your foot into that customer and when uh, uh, when the market picks up again, then uh, uh, then you'll be uh, very well situated. and if mm. you can diversify, the uh, your customers to uh, uh, so that you could have customers from uh, less affected uh, uh, verticals hit by recessions. That's uh, that's also a good thing. Um, so you know, in our case, you know, it's uh, it's looking a bit more into uh, into defense related uh, companies so that you know they were less hit because they were like on a very uh, a fixed uh, fixed budget, so they had. Uh, money there, and we did. Uh, you know, we took uh, jobs that you know maybe if we were on a hype, we wouldn't have uh, taken that uh, just to to put some uh, some money in the cash. So we would do some uh, professional work or maybe even consulting or things like that that put money in the in the pocket yeah. so that we could finance the company for another month or another quarter.
1: Keeping the lights on till things change, yeah. right? Yeah. And when uh, when.
0: And when you don't have the lights on then you move into candles and then you move into matches <laughs> and um, eventually you become a bat and you work at complete dark um uh, that's one thing the other more important thing is that uh we need uh, we need always to remember that it is only work okay mm. and and that's i think uh, one of the most important lessons again being uh, a bit older um the fact that you understand that life are short life is short um and i always give the uh, the expert that is that when you uh, when you walk uh, in in graveyards and you see the the tombstones you see you know wonderful father you see wonderful brother you see a a, a devoted spouse you never see entrepreneur of the year best vp bd ever and yeah. <laughs> the people that visit you on, uh, on your, you know, annual uh, departure day are not the VCs and are not the, uh, the people who invested in your companies or analysts or things like that. They are the close members of your family. So, so that's extremely important. Uh, work is important. And self-fulfillment is important. Uh, you know, trying to go up in the, in the Maslow pyramid is is important so that you won't feel frustrated but uh, at the end of the day you 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 open the door you see your wife you see your spouse you see your uh, your kids and uh, and that's uh, that's important and uh, the the joy and happiness that you uh, that you get from that is way more bigger than any any deal that you might close and the good thing about it is that if you have small kids, your small kids don't know that there's a recession out <laughs> there. They're like, yeah, in a complete, so, you know, tap into their energy. You know, you have a, a crappy, crappy day, everything goes wrong. Cut your losses, go home, play with your kids. You know, you've already lost on this day. So it could, uh, you know, instead of, uh, of, you know, beating you yourself, uh, you know, at the office, just go home, play with your kids, uh, go clear your mind. And, uh, and, you know, once you you're recharged, then, you know, tomorrow probably will be a a better day.
1: It's well said, beautifully said. Vinci, I'm going to end it there. That is, that's advice we could all use. Um, I feel it as well that we, man, we make it, it is a big deal, but we make it almost all consuming at times when we're missing the real life, the family, the friends, the connections, the the things that um, we can have right here, right now, regardless of how work is going. So my friend, thank you for being here. I know it is late in Tel Aviv uh, and you have given us time uh, to be here and share your story and your wisdom. It's truly appreciated. And I hope we made your mother proud.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. I'll let her know. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.